Hello and welcome along to another episode of the Tortoise Shack Sunday special. But this time we have a very special episode because we are talking all about International Women's Day and we have some incredible guests today to join us. Just before we dive in, a reminder, if you'd like to support the work that we do, please pop over to patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack and you get access to tons of content and the Q&A section of the Sunday podcast where things get a bit rowdy and often not for publication for <laughs> For various legal reasons um, and we want to kind of keep that that way. So we're joined today by an absolutely incredible lineup. We're so grateful for everyone for coming in and we're joined by Adeline Berry, Eileen Flynn, Alexandra Hall, Joella Delamini, Joe Tendai Kangari and maybe another person if they get out of bed in time but we <laughs> will announce them if they get in to join us there. So um, we're going to just open it up and we're going to give everyone about five Five, 10 minutes to talk about whatever they want to talk about and draw attention to. It's International Women's Day. There's a lot of talks and, you know, workshops and everything kind of planned at the moment, but like bring your stuff to the table. So um, I suppose will we start with whoever's first on my screen and that's Joella, you're lucky number one. You're coming up first. No pressure. I was actually praying, like, please don't start me, please don't start me. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, but that's okay. So let me, this is a quick intro about myself. My name is Joella Lamini. I moved to Ireland when I was about, like, 13, around 2014 and so. And I'd say the most significant part of me, like, thing I did, which is remotely interesting, in 2017, I got to be um, Taoiseach for the day. And I was so excited. It was um, very nice. Um, it was part of a competition that was run by UNICEF at the time, which I was doing work experience with. And I got to talk about racism and stuff like that. And like for the first time, it's the first time I ever talked about my experiences with racism, especially in Ireland, because years prior to that, I never talked about it. And even if it did happen to me, I would brush it off because people around me would brush brush it off and take it as it is what it is, like a complacent vibe with it. And at that time, I was like, you know what? I am tired of this. I'm putting everyone on blast. So I did. And it was a great experience. I got to talk to um, Leo Varek, who was Tishik at the time. And he was telling me about his his experiences too. And it was like nice to know that someone is listening to me and especially him and him. He's a person of color also. So he goes through quite quite a bit of stuff and I remember thinking that day like how do you let these people talk to you like that you're like the like t-shock like what's going on well at the time after that as I grew as I grow up and got to be myself and developing into a young woman I got to think like there's so many um struggles that I have to go through as a black woman especially and for the longest time I didn't know how to articulate that because it's one hand I'm black, one hand I'm a woman. And I thought I had to pick a struggle at this point. It's, you can't combine the two because I felt like people might think, oh, Joella, you're nagging now. Like, come on, just, you know, and I would belittle that. Oh, can I add them? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I got sidetracked by Tony. I would kind of suppress that in a way until I got into college and in one of the modules, we were talking about this concept called intersectionality, where is like social injustices like overlapping. And I was like, wow, for the first time I could 
like articulate what I've been going through because for the longest time I was like I'm just nagging I'm just it's not that deep and I was like wow here's this woman talking about what I feel and how I'm feeling and articulating it so well and I was like this this is amazing and today I just kind of wanted to talk about that and how it's like um navigating myself through um modern Ireland as a young black woman and I was thinking last night when Linda texted me she was like you can talk about anything I was like oh what I, what, the, what am I going to talk about so I was just thinking and I was just thinking um about womanhood and what that is to me and how I am going to navigate myself through what being a woman is and I was like Joella, you know nothing about being an adult. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You haven't even stepped into college. You have no responsibilities at all. And I was just like, oh, but still. And I'm really excited to listen to everyone speak and kind of draw like advice from everyone in the little snippets because it would eventually build who I am because I'm still growing and I'm still learning how to love myself. Um in that process too which could be difficult and I guess many of you could relate to that and I'm really excited for everything so yeah that's a bit of me that's what I want to talk about really can I just say I am like the proudest lecturer in Ireland right now Joella is one of our students in law DCU and oh my god how beautiful amazing yes Um, thank you yes no just you're just expressing that so beautifully and it's amazing to hear like about those battles in your own head about Mm -hmm. you know and learning about intersectionalism and how you can claim all of those battles as your own um and and bring yourself to them so yeah, yeah amazing I just say as well, um, I met Joella a couple of weeks ago when she did a, a podcast with me about um, education and being a first year in college and how difficult that is during a pandemic. And, you know, her contribution was really significant and really key. So if you want to learn a little bit more about her, go have a listen to that one. Um, but I'm thrilled to know you um, and, and to be able to kind of watch you go on this journey. Yeah. It's very exciting. So oh, thank, thank you so much, guys. We also encourage Vicky to give Joella some extra points in her assignments. <laughs> yeah, I just submitted one. You just submitted one today. Yeah. Goes. I worked that real good there, Vicky. Joella, wouldn't it be brilliant if you were a key shock today? You know, yeah. wouldn't, oh. wouldn't Ireland be such a oh. such a a different place? You know that kind of way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I I haven't met you before, but obviously I've I've heard and I've seen uh, some of the work you've done. And when you talk about being a, a young woman and that knowing like you know our young women know a hell of a lot you know just to say that as well and I think it's to don't undermine yourself because of your uh your your age because we were all once that young activist you know what I mean so just yeah. just to keep that in mind yeah You're a lot more switched I, I on think, than I was at that age for sure. I, I, I appreciate it a lot even giving me this this space to like freely talk because I feel like I'm I'm at my best when I talk about issues and what affects me and like potentially learning from what affects like others, like how it's like to be yourself. It's through that, so much experience can come through that. And through that, I love learning about other people. I love talking to people, which is interesting. And like seeing a wide variation of representation is a massive thing. And that's one of the things I um, tr- I honestly truly believe in because if we normalize every single 
everyone, there would be less discrimination because we know that it's normal and stuff like that. Even doing the T-shirt day, like after that, I never thought myself, even meeting a high politician like that, I never thought, I've, because I've never seen myself in that position and putting myself in that position made other people, like my little cousins, just like, you know, one day I, I could do that too. They're like, yeah, you can. I did it, you know? And to me, that is amazing, like a lot. So honestly, thank you for giving me this time, like to talk and speak to everyone and hear everyone's stories. I'm really excited for it, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, thank you for, for joining us. Like we're the ones who are grateful, you know, for you coming along. So um, thanks, Amel. We'll come, we'll come back to everyone as well. I just want to move on to our next person. Um, and next on my list there is Addie Berry, who wears many hats, quite fashionably, we might say. But Addie, take, take it away. Hi, guys. Uh, thank you for having me on today. Um, I guess it, I've, I've got a lot of things on my mind. I usually do. Um, trying to juggle my PhD and stuff and activism and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I, I, I'm wondering a lot these days about what Ireland would look like if we actually did separate church and state, um, not just in, in a formal way, but also um, remove church-founded and run NGOs that claim to be progressive and feminist, but but push laws that have increased uh, trafficking in Ireland that are NGOs that claim to be feminist and progressive, but are busy plotting and scheming to open their own direct provision centers. Um, you know, uh, I'd like to imagine an Ireland where the church has been removed from education, healthcare, from laws and policing, and wonder what that would look like. I, I, I don't know that we'd be free of all of our problems, but um, I think it would be a giant start. Like there's so that big rollback that happened in the 1930s when women's rights were rolled back drastically after England had left the free state. We we have this idea that we've we've moved, and especially because so much of our progress has been so recent. We feel so progressive, but when fundamentally we've got the same, the same church-state guardy relationship that existed really back then, nothing's really changed. Um, so I, I guess that's what I'm, what's on my mind these days. Um, yeah, mostly that. Uh, maybe stopping IGM, ending direct provision. Uh, you know, um, equality for travelers would be lovely. Like. How long are we supposed to wait for that? Another couple of thousand years, you know, trans care. It should take less. It, it should not be quicker to get a degree in psychology than a bottle of antidepressants or a prescription for antidepressants. So it's a little ridiculous. I, I would love to see an Ireland with cheap rent. And uh, instead of campaigning against people, like I have a feeling that the way things are going with COVID, if we go into another recession, sex work is going to skyrocket like it always does. Um, and a lot of people who couldn't have imagined engaging in it beforehand are going to suddenly find that to be their best option. And the way we are set up, we're not set up to provide any of the things people need to prevent them going to sex work, but we're there to police them and evict them. And, you know, I mean, that's what's been happening during COVID. And, you know, when the government's refusing to help people, sex workers are left to fund and put money in each other's hands so i don't know separate church and state and uh, make rent cheap and college free college free would be a very good one um you know especially with with covid the mental health difficulties that everybody's 
battling. We shouldn't be living in a country where it costs 50 grand to become a mental health professional. We, we need, I, me personally, as an intersex trans sex worker from Tala, I don't feel confident that it's going to be easy for me to find a therapist to deal with my needs who is probably an upper middle class or middle class person who's gone through a few years of college. We need travelers in mental health care. We need sex workers in mental health care. We need non-white people. We need black people in, 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 in mental health care. We, we need representation from the people in Ireland. We can't have this ridiculous class divide, which hurts us on so many levels. So, yeah, I guess that that's some of the things that are on my mind these days. Adi, I fully agree. Um, we've had this conversation before, particularly around the access, and it's not just um, it's not just the the mental health care because that that is essential and we need it, but also in the legal system, we need people like us to represent us to make sure that we're getting the right representation because those are the people who get oppressed, those are the people who end up in prison more, those are the people who end up, you know, on the wrong side of the legal system, um, with the sex workers and all of that. So totally agree can i say two things there um i had a student a couple of years ago um who came from actually outside of tala very large family first in her family to go to university and she was graduating with a really decent degree and i was asking her what was she going to do and she's like oh you know just get a job in the bank or whatever i was like are you are you thinking about the professions at all and she said oh you don't see people like me in the courthouses yeah. We, we lined her up with a placement and <laughs> tried to do our best to disprove that. Um, but it is and that that's it can get really missed. I think Linda's really right, like the need for diversity in the legal profession, because that's your gate into so much else. The other thing there on church and state, I was thinking about this myself last night. And like if I could do anything, like if you had the, all the power and all the thing, I would want to set up like a historical commission um, for gathering evidence on gender-based violence in Ireland. Um, it's something we need to confront so badly. It's just, you know, when you have a Mother Baby Homes Commission calling those places a refuge for women, like we still, that that connection is so strong still. And we really, really, really need to get to grips with it if we're going to mature as a society. Absolutely. And then and speaking of representation and, and, you know, I'm sure some of the points that Eddie made as well, we're going to come over to Eileen Flynn, who obviously has made history and but that's it should have been about 100 years ago you were making history. It's not even that recent. So um, take it away, Eileen. Carolyn, thanks very much. And thanks uh, to Tony for giving me the opportunity to be here this morning. Very sharp notice. You want to see me trying to get the house done and get dinner on and stuff. Uh, but um, today I would like to remember the women before us, you know, the women who sat, stood up for women equality when it wasn't sexy, when it wasn't the normal thing to do in uh, Ireland. And just three women come to my mind this morning, well, actually four. I would say Bernadette McCle McCluskey, who speaks around, you know, being born into an unjust uh, world, but we're not meant to grow up in that unjust world. And then also um, Nan Jice, a traveller woman from Tala, who ran in the elections 
in the early 80s and unfortunately wasn't successful. She was running against the Fianna Fáil candidate and she got phenomenal uh, support from the local community. So to name uh, Nan Joyce here today as well. And uh, Alva Smith and uh, Hannah McGindley, who Hannah McGindley... Um, we, we don't really speak very much about because <laughs> Hannah is very much uh, doing activism from from the at the back you know and she's an imp- she's such a powerful woman and she really p- paved the path uh, for me as as a traveler woman and then my own mother as well today a woman who always stood up for equality and um while living in Labry Park you know so I think it's important that today we remember the women before us the women who paved the way for us uh, to be able to stand up around the inequalities that women face. Um, I was really a big part of the pro-choice um, campaign and around reproductive health care for women in Ireland. And I don't think reproductive health care is equal for all women. And I don't think all women feel that valued within uh, within maternity services and uh, prenatal uh, care and after care after they have a baby. So I would like to highlight that today. But also, when when we speak about choice and the campaign choice for me, like I always think outside the box, you know. And I always think about the women who don't have choice in the morning times when they even wake up out of the bed. The women who 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 uh, are living um, in domestic violence situations, and and I see it all around me, uh, Carolyn. You know, I see it all around me, so evident. And women who don't have spaces around uh, tables, around like nothing about us without us, as I've a famous quote that I've heard many years ago, and I use it an awful lot, you know, that since 2015, I've sat around tables and tried my best as an activist. Again, back then, it wasn't something that we seemed very like women's equality. Uh, it wasn't something that we seemed women on the streets of Ireland uh, fighting for, you know, was for equality for women. And now it's brilliant to see that the women's movement in Ireland are really moving, you know. But we need we need a women's movement for us all. Not just the women's movement for some women. We need a women's movement for us all. When we talk about the the the, the pay uh, gaps within uh, women equal uh, women in, in employment, there's over eighty six of traveler uh, traveler community in general unemployed. What about the women that don't even have the opportunity to to work because uh, you know again we're going right back to intersectionality and you know sometimes women from some communities may need a hand up, you know, to, to be able to empower ourselves. And I got that hand up to be able to empower myself. And it's not about giving uh, each other a hand out and doing the charity model. It's really about reaching out, giving a hand up, including um, because we can't. We just genuinely can't have these big conferences. I've seen over the last five, ten years where oh, women in politics, but we don't see traveler women, black women, women in wheelchairs in politics. We don't, you know. And this time last year, there were seat up for grabs in the, the House of Directors. And when, when John Campbell and Thomas Pringle first uh, approached me to go for that seat, I was actually just coming out of postnatal depression and I needed something to keep me going. And again, it was making change in Ireland and um, missed out by by a vote and a half. And, and basically it took five men 
to climb over me through their second boat, although I came in number number six because I didn't, not that I didn't want the Taoiseach's nomination, I was very grateful of the Taoiseach's nomination and I'm, I'm delighted that Michal Martin did made the right choice, don't get me wrong, but I would have loved to do it by myself, you know, and it was so it's, such a difficult uh, campaign and stuff. And again, men men having the the upper hand. And we need to have a big discussion around feminism in Ireland and what feminism means. Because you know, <laughs> sometimes uh, people don't understand the term uh, feminist. And for me, the reason why I'm a feminist is equality for everybody. It's equality for trans people, traveller women. Uh, um, refugee women, black women, it's equality for all. And that's my reason why I will stand under the the, the feminist uh, heading. And sometimes, you know, so sometimes that can be a very tough, uh, tough um, place to be in, is to be an open feminist, because sometimes that creates a very hard time for wider society, you know. So I would love going forward having that conversation around what is feminist? What, what, like, you know, and how, how do we include all women in, 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 in our movement for, for women equality? Because how it's moving now, and it's great to see the great empowerment of women, but we are leaving a hell of a lot of women behind, and we have to be very, very mindful of that. You can even see it, Eileen, like um, I know Rosemary Mon, um, we did ask her to come on, but she's she's got something on this morning. But, um, you know, she's been highlighting the lack of traveller women and a lot of the stuff that's going on for International Women's Day. And I, I, I don't think it's been deliberate. And I think people have been mortified when it's been pointed out to them. But it has had to be pointed out to them. And but like I've been doing this, like I remember one time in a big uh, women's event, and it was I think it was International Women's Day, and I remember we were talking about, and I was actually in the audience at the time, and I stood up and I said, "Have a look, you know, have a look in the room. Where where's the women? Where's where's the black women on this panel? Where's the traveller women on the panel? You know, and." Doing that level of work for years actually gets tiring because I'd say great feminine, uh, great women like I suppose Mary would say, you know, something is it even worth it? Is it worth all this emotional stress? Is it worth all the stress that 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 comes with it? You know, just trying to create those spaces and opportunities for 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 the other women to be a uh, part of uh, of these big uh, conversations and these big uh, movements. And the same, like you know, when we talk about women in politics. You know, it has to be black women in politics, too. It has to be yeah. women who are disabled in politics, traveler women. It can't be just white upper class women. And and again, it's not about taking anything. When I have this conversation, sometimes I, I get a little bit of a I can get a little bit of a slap over it and saying, well, like, you know, women are women at the end of the day. Yes, women are women at the end of the day. But unfortunately, some women have it have it well worse off because of their economic background, because of their colour of their skin, because of their 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 abilities or disabilities, you know, and it, it, we really need that because we Ireland needs to have that big conversation. 
And can I say, like, I don't think that International Women's Day, the way it's going, is helping with that. So it's become such a corporate thing and every place has to hold its event. And so they're all reaching out for speakers. And it's just like the same women being dragged up to do the same conversations and again and again. But none of the groundwork to address the inequalities is actually happening, you know. Um, And if 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 these corporate it really bothers me when I see so many corporate events for International Women's Day. Like what work are they actually doing to support and promote and encourage women and enable them to, you know, to have the platforms and to find the space? I've been a token around many a platform. Yeah. I've been a token around many a feckin' platform. And if you want, you know, you can use that to turn it into something positive. Like, and while you know in your heart that you're speaking there as 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 a token because of the NGO or because of the service just wants you to be there because you're also a travel woman, you know, and never work with you all year round or anything like that. That's where it actually kills you, you know, because you know damn well that you're just a token in that room. But you can and I've used it to me advantage to try and to include a uh, traveller uh, traveller women and I will say about the National Women's Council of Ireland you know over, when I first started out with the National Women's Council of Ireland and I won't be ashamed to say this that it was absolutely a crap relationship you know trying so hard to get women pushed in there and get women's voices heard and then at the end like last year they did support me and it's good that they came out to 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 support a woman from an ethnic minority group but we shouldn't have to beg <laughs> you know we shouldn't have to have to beg for these like I, I don't know I just think sometimes it's, it's it's very strange and look all this tagging going on at social media at the moment there's many a great woman that's not on social media you know and better women than than the likes of me and that's not on social media to get the um tagged and stuff like social media don't do the work in the ground and we need to be mindful of that going forward as well so it's just it's yeah yeah I'll let someone else come in and just enjoy the conversation (laughs) no but uh, absolutely excellent points and all completely valid there so yeah um we're going to move on um down to Joy Tendai Kangari so Joy thanks Mel for for coming on and the floor is yours thank you ladies and um really want to you know echo uh what uh, a lot has been said this morning and Really just say, you know, the first put it out there that I'm one hell of an exhausted black woman and exhausted and fed up. And what I want to put on today is to talk is, um, Eileen has just touched on it, is that, you know, it's great to be accepted virtually, but what matters is if I am accepted in the real world. I don't matter. I don't care if someone blocks me on social media because of a tiff. But what matters to me is being blocked in real life. I'd like, um, I want to say that I've been here, you know, I, I came here and I came here with a group of friends who are white South African, white Zimbabwean. Their parts have taken, they have skyrocketed and, you know, advanced their careers. I've been asked several times with the same qualifications as my, my friends who are my friends. And how come I'm able to have those qualifications and they're not asked that? So who am I? You know, am I the person that is saying, you know, you feel, when you see me or you relate because you've gone and you've worked in Africa, 
do you see me as part as your house help when you when you were in Africa? You don't see me as a colleague. You know, you always look down on me and say, you know, that is the level, you know, that I have to remain. So who am I in Irish society? And when we talk about International Women's Day, you know, I'm done celebrating it because I've never, I'm actually not part of that. You talk about, you know, the left being the progressives. The progressives and the people that are supposed to be working together are self-sabotaging each other. It's not oppression politics. You know, when I want to amplify Black women, it's because out of all womenhood, yes, we have a struggle as women, but as the person that is left, the group that is left behind are the Black women. And then we're given stereotype to be the angry Black woman. No, we're not angry. We're fed up. You know, it's, it's, it's gone to that. And when we try to work hard, we try, you know, do our best or sacrifices to get up, up the ladder. You go into professions where they say, you know, there's collegiality, but collegiality is like an animal farm, you know, more, you know, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. So this is the, you know, that this is the, the, the I'm going to breathe. This is what is where, where we are. Um, I'd also want to talk about, you know, the, the self, the oppression politics. I'm in awe of, you know, traveler, Minkeri um, women. But to be honest, my first interaction or wanting to bring, you know, acceptance was from a traveler man who said, you know, understood that I was, you know, and I'll say his name, Bennett Sweeney, who said that, you know, I understand and appreciate, you know, that we come from an heritage and we've managed to link, you know, in terms of traveler history and African history and how we, you know, we celebrate life. But I've always been, you know, whether it's, it's a place where I am, you know, within different classes but I'm always seen as the outsider, no matter how much I try. And I also want to say to my Black African sisters, whether I'm from Southern Africa, whether I'm from Western Africa or not, I am one. When we go into, you know, into Irish society, nobody asks me whether, you know, which country I am from. I'm seen it's the Blackness that is there. And we are self-sabotaging each other because of our differences and keeping our, you know, our tribalistic so when you see me and you say you don't talk from someone from where I'm from, that's fine. But our, our struggle as Black women was gonna, is going to keep on going on because everyone is just going to say, you know, you're going to call and try and cozy up. You know, we, we, colonialism told us divide and conquer. And this is the, the fallacy that we are now as, as a Black community. And to other ethnic minorities that you know, see Black people talking about the struggles and being, you know, the anti-racist or the anti-immigrant sentiment, and they keep quiet. Keeping quiet does not make you, you know, you might go in, you know, maybe your proximity to whiteness um, makes you, you know, and your quietness and not complaining makes you, your work situation or living in Ireland more uh, easier for you, but it doesn't help. And for you to criticize people like me that put on my forefront or put myself in the forefront to talk about inequalities and criticize me and say that I can't, you know, I'm always talking with stones in my hands. I've talked, I've tried to be diplomatic, but sometimes you get to the stage where I started, where I say, I'm fed up. You know, I'm fed up for my children. I'm scared for my children. I've gone, I've seen the garnering of the anti-race, anti, you know, the, the far right 
uh, community, they are gaining strength and yet we're self-sabotaging because why? Because there was only black women invited to a panel or we or so on. So, okay, that has been, that has been, yeah, that has been done, but we also have to hear voices from, from everyone. And it, it is, you know, the power struggle is, um, I like what Diane said yesterday that the, we're fighting individuals and yet we're supposed to be fighting the, the institutions and systems. So if you're going to fight and say, for example, Linda, you know, is, has only a white female panel, but what has caused those systems? We've got big women's organizations which do not even see that as a black woman, I can be, I can be part of that organization. And when I'm brought in, it's like, oh, far, oh, by the way, JT is around. So, okay, no, let's bring her in because you know what? She's going to, she's going to mark the, you know, tick the box and we've done everything. So I want to say that um, in terms of you don't have to be black to anyone that's, you know, listening today, you don't have to be black to be anti-racist or fight racial inequality or to fight anti-blackness. And people say, okay, fine, you know, we can't talk about racism in our workplace because there are no black people. You, are you willing to be the person that speaks out, you know, for that person? If you're saying, you're my friend, you know, you're my friend, you, you feel for me when something is said or when you go out with a group of your mates and you snigger and they say racist slurs, are you the one to stand up? If you're sitting for a Christmas dinner, and your parents say something that is anti-immigrant or whatever, are you the person? Because if you are not willing to stand for me, then there's no point in being my friend because I've been, you know, I've, I'm a very empathic person. And for years I've let people say things and cover because I don't want to hurt my friends. I love when I, when I bring you into my world, you are my friend and I have carried the burden, but people, I was shocked in Ireland, you know, for, all that has happened within direct provision, within my, you know, experiences that I've told people that it's only in 2019, 20 years down the line that I've been in this country, that people start saying, oh, we didn't know that, you know, there was racism in Ireland. What the hell? I've been carrying that burden. I've been crying myself at night. I've been consoling my children every night. And now you're telling me that, oh, just because, you know, what has happened in America, then you, then now you know that people, there is racism in Ireland. So at the end of the day, what I'm, what is my mind is if you're not standing, if you're going to be standing or trying to do performative allyship, you can keep your allyship. You can, performative allyship is not the time. We've done this, we've done all the talking. Eileen has talked about all the conferences. We've had, we've had the talk. It's time to, to walk. And on the last note, on this international I want, uh, uh, Women's Day, I want to remember my two grand, uh, grandparents. My grandmother, who was a po- who grew up with polio, disabled, and she sold. She was she had a market store, and she educated my dad to what to the level that he able he was able to give me a good education. She was discriminated because of her disability, but she managed to raise a family and m- managed to give to start the generation of which I'm carrying forward. And my, my other maternal grandmother, who, because of her ambition as the first, one of the first midwives on, in, in Zimbabwe, she, she was so ambitious that my grandfather left her because she was so ambitious. And her ambition, she raised seven children by herself. And that's the stigma. Growing up in Africa, where being a single woman was so stigmatized, she gave me the strength 
So with on, on those solid rocks of women that were discriminated for being black, for being disabled, and for not being part of what people wanted to see, I stand up today. And thank you for, for, for giving me this chance to speak. And thank you for speaking so powerfully. Thank you. And we can feel your pain and we can feel your anger and we can feel your tiredness. Really can, JT. And you know that whenever I look for any advice, you're the first person I come to because you're the person who's lived all that experience and you will never, ever steer me wrong. Um, and, you know, you your voice has to be heard. It has to be heard. And we need more of that, a hell of a lot more of that, you know. Um, and, and it's not just giving you a platform and then saying, oh, great, let's move on to the next thing. We need to listen. We need to take it on board and we need to act on it. And we're working together to try and do that. I know, but we need more of it. We need a lot more people to buy to to stand with us and to buy into it and to make sure that you're not standing there having to pour your heart out in that way to to really move people and make it happen. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Linda. Thank you, As I said, you know, it, it's fine. I'm just saying that it it gets it gets tiring, and um, you know, in as much as I, you know, I love Ireland, my my heart is here in Ireland. I don't want to be you know, I don't want to be fighting. And right now, the fight is for young, you know, young people that have lost their way. And this is why I'm taking time. You know, I could be doing, I could, my, I could be steering my career, but I'm I'm taking time with Rooted in African Island to make it right for young people growing up in Ireland. And it's so important. I don't care. I don't want to be sitting at the table while I know that there's young people that are going through the same thing and the same hardships. You know, I can, you can give me any other title, but the title that will always come with me is that I'm a black woman and a, a woman. And the last thing that I'd say, I am, you know, diva to, to people means a lot of things. But for me, diva means a woman that dares. And I've been told that I inspire and is visionary and accepts all people. So I accept all people and it is your choice whether you take me in as a friend or, you know, an enemy. Thank you, Joy, um, so much for that. I definitely had a few tears going and there's a good few people in the comments saying that there's tears and I feel there's a lot there that might make some people uncomfortable and we could, we should be uncomfortable and we should sit with that and, and think about why we are uncomfortable as white people and, you know, bringing forward and, and, and you know, enacting real change. So I think there, there's a lot in your words and I think there's a lot there to sit with and, and you know, think about what are we actually going to do. So Joella wants to just come in there. Yeah, yeah of course. I, I just, I just want to say um, thank you to Joy from the bottom of my heart because um, especially last year with the whole George Floyd thing, I was overwhelmed with everything. And I was just, I sat here in my bed thinking about the, the struggles that I have to go through as a black woman in Ireland. And by you saying this, it means so much. It means so much. Thank you for fighting for me. You're not just fighting for yourself. You're not just fighting for your children, but you're fighting for me too. And I appreciate so much. And I, oh my God, that, that was just so powerful. And I'm so grateful for it to have someone like you who's willing to say and to stand up and say no and not is not fear to be labeled as the angry black woman who's constantly saying this you're just saying it so fearlessly and I admire you for that and you inspired me a lot today by saying what needed to be said to be honest thank you yeah, so much and, and Joy you really went into the 
to the social media. You know, I haven't been on social media really. I dread going out within the evenings. I just, I just absolutely has grown to, and it's actually a really strong word, but I've grown to hate social media because everything is solidarity. Oh, we stand with the travellers. We stand with the blacks. Oh, it's this and it's that and it's ever so great. But when push comes to shove, does people really do that in, 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 in their local communities? No, they don't, you know. And to speak about, that's the whole thing that I, I loved about your talk, um, Jai, was your grandmothers, you know. And the women before us that lived in the struggle. And that's what, like, it's just, you know, you're just such a powerful uh, woman and speaking about your children as well. And I think as well for ethnic minority groups, Maybe we should have sometimes a conversation around um, around internalized oppression, you know, because you've got internalized oppression and externalized oppression, and it's very very tough for women from ethnic minority groups. So just to just to follow on what what Jai is saying, like you know, we're not just traveler women and black women, we're we're traveler women and black women and women, women living in direct provision that also experience the inequalities within our own communities for being women. You know, and then you experience those inequalities outside as well. So it's yeah, yeah, it's a conversation that a big conversation needs to be had in Ireland around ethnic minority women and black women when it comes to uh, to 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 equality for women. And it's sad. It's actually really sad, Jai, to hear you say that. You know, you don't celebrate International Women's Day because if you're not if 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 you're not like you know. If you're not better than every other woman in the world, you're just as good as every other woman. And, and I think it's important that, you know, some. I hope someday that you'll be able just to celebrate your journey and how far you came as a woman and as a mother in the world as well. Very powerful words, Eileen, there. Thanks, Mel. We'll, we'll come back to it as well. We'll have a Q&A section at the end. I'm just going to move on to our next guest. We have Alexandra Hall, one of our, our new Tortoiseshack pod babies who've joined us recently with the with their own podcast. Alexandra, take it away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hi, so my name is Alexandra. I, um, we, I am a part of a group of artists that we call ourselves the Sterlings Collective. So it's like the Irish word for history, stir, and the bird starling. And um, we explore trans history and we made a podcast. We have a podcast host here, Conversate Trans, um, where we have chats with trans women uh, across the community. So, oh, sorry, not just trans women, but trans people. We just, at the moment, have back a catalog of trans women in particular. But um, it's an intergenerational podcast, so we kind of explore living history in that way where trans women talk about their experiences of just life, or trans people, sorry. Um, I am a first transgender, and I suppose why I want to talk about that is because, um, speaking of my experience of being trans, um, I find art is how I kind of communicate my feminism and kind of social, um, kind of social, discussion sorry for me the media we create really can impact our lives and have like such an amazing influence on us um like I have so many artists who really inspired me and you know I could really talk about this all day but um like individually nearly and I guess I kind of just like to talk about how 
how I feel art can be so impactful, like what we're doing right now and having a conversation between a group of women. Um, what's that kind of important to the viewer? I, I, I really think, sorry, that creating media that can like list, exist for years to come, it can help like create a kind of historical document in a sense of what we're thinking right now, what the movements are right now, because in a hundred years time, people will look, look back at this podcast and get a sense for what feminism was like around in the year 2000. Sorry. All right, Alexandra, you do all the art for each, yeah. um, which I've seen and it's absolutely brilliant. So um, the one of the things about Conversatrons is that people bring something that that yeah. tells the story of their journey and then you draw it as well, which is amazing. Yeah, sorry. So I am, I, I consider myself much better with pictures than words. And um, that might be self-evident. That's why we get the guests to do all the talking. That's the trick there. Of course, I'm not the only host. Um, my other host, my friend, Julia Farrell. Um, we also work with other people, um, Alicia Doody and uh, the. So the premise of the podcast is kind of a show and tell kind of premise. Um, where a, tra- a trans person, our, our guest, will bring a object that has meaning to them. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be anything. It could just be, you know, we've had somebody bring a rugby shirt. We've had um, an album that was just particularly um important to the development and again that's just why i love the art and how that can influence us um because i believe that was sarah phillips who's very famous among the trans community in ireland she's the chair of the trend energy Court network of ireland and i believe she was recently elected to the women's board of ireland so the 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 album is i think it's called power in the darkness by tom robinson band and that was one of the things that kind of helped her get out because I think she told a story on the podcast about how it was a group of people singing um, in like now, you know, the 70s or whatever it was, or the 80s, when it was still legal to be gay, out singing, showing a concert, singing a song, um, It's Good to Be Gay, I think is the name of the song. So that really helped her feel at ease and comforted and helped give her the confidence to come out. So yeah, I, I make the art. Um, I don't know how much to say there. It's uh, it's brilliant. That's what you should say. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, I mean, naturally. Um, <laughs> it's <clears throat> I could like I, I could probably talk for ages about like you know a lot of it was in kind of Cubist style inspired by Anne Cassandra. Yeah. So the, the like the art is of objects that people bring with them and just. There is a really big issue there, isn't there, about like, because if you speak to so many women, like art, craft, culture brings so much peace and meaning and joy to our lives. And we've seen it in COVID, like the the absolute, you know, failure to support that industry and to support artists. Um, and, it, you know, these aren't hobbies. These are things that really bring I say peace and and meaning to people's lives, and it's it's a real shame how the the government responds to that. Yeah, well, like in my mind, um, you know, art. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, if I was, you know, the leader of the world or whatever, and like indefinite power, the first thing I would do is like make everything beautiful. That's like, like I I don't know. Just you know, Dublin City is so. Like what's the word? What what word justifies it? You know, it's Pray. such an unfortunate mess of just you know homelessness and grey, yeah, absolutely, just concrete and rebar, and it's just. Um, 
I, I think that can reflect. I, I feel like the disheveled appearance of Dublin City is a reflection of how we, how our government um, treats its, or views its people, you know, the homelessness in particular, which, of course, disproportionately affects trans people. Sorry, trans people. And um, I guess there's a strong message of kind of solidarity, I think is the word, like working together. You know, like, sorry, a lot of these issues can affect. Um, okay, sorry, I got a bit ahead of myself there, but a lot of issues can affect multiple minority groups. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like home, we have the homeless and then we have a disproportionate number of trans and non-homeless. These things need to be looked at through that intersectional lens. Oh, of... in the reason I was um, bringing this up, sorry, I just remembered it. Um, there's recently been a lot of issues with healthcare for trans people in Ireland. In particular, young people under the age of 18 have no, trans people under the age of 18 have no possibility to access healthcare at the moment. That was recently like taken away entirely, which can be seriously damaging for like a young person's mental well-being it kind of in a way it feels like there's no future you know because um i was involved with the healthcare services belong to for trans people lgbt children and young adults until february of 2020 you know you know you can you can really see among young people that feeling of hopelessness and no future uh it, it's it reflects in body autonomy rights so the campaigns for like abolish the eight were about getting control of your own body, having your own freedom, you know. Um, and that is the exact same as trans healthcare. The exact same thing is happening. The same groups are against trans healthcare. You know, the church and other I, I, anti-feminist groups, um, people who kind of want to uh, control other people's rights and freedoms. I have a little bit of an announcement. Um, so the sorry, one moment. It's the ARC who are the, uh, I have it written down, sorry. That's okay. Um, Do you want to put it in the is chat it box? The abortion rights campaign, Alexander? Yeah, that's it. The abortion rights campaign on Monday with Tenny are having a, it'll be an, an online event at 6.30 p.m. Uh, that people can join, that they're, they're going to discuss, discuss trans healthcare. So um, I, I, I was given a little, I um, to plug that in there. No worries. Tony to put it in the chat for us as well. He can do something useful there. Because the Minister for Health has announced that the review into the abortion legislation has commenced. Uh, We're not clear what shape it's going to take, but it's so important. A number of people have referenced reproductive rights today and they're not where they should be. And we need to step up this year and engage with that. And it's the same for trans healthcare. It's the same kind of things that are happening the same idea of controlling yeah. women's body or like i mean trans people obviously trans women and trans men but um i'm picking around saying trans women because there's also been a large number of attacks from turfs during the last week um from uk in particular they've been attacking the arc and um they're, they're trending on twitter uh irish women have been having none of it which is fantastic really um and they've also been attacking the Irish Labour Party because they're offering free membership for women in the party. With, without realising that it was the Irish Labour Party, not the UK Labour Party. Mm. 
Not they never know that it's the Irish yeah. Labour Party. No. They never know that anything's Irish. Yeah. It's, just, it's a colonial colonialism trying to import their colonial turfism. That's it, yeah. And I, I don't know. I find when I read turf writings, they're very misogynistic. They're very much about controlling women's presentation and, you know, this is how women should dress and act. Um, you, see, you see a lot of, like, women, cis women should be proper and embrace their femininity well trans women if they do the same thing are playing dress up you know it's this um hypocrite hypocrisy and i really have a, a vendetta against hypocrisy you know i'm not Alex, i'm not just, i'm not both the occasional about but um we may just me- need to move on just, there, just sorry to, to squish everyone okay, else darling. you're fine but um <laughs> we'll come back to it in the q a section for sure because there's so much in that you know Thank we're you only so even starting to kind of pick that apart there so thanks mel um speaking of the uk um we're going to go over to don foster over there hi how are you um is there anything in particular you want me to talk about or should i just kind of give a recap of the last few weeks on our very very normal island <laughs> I, I well, <laughs> whatever you can fit into a five minute yeah, yeah, yeah. feminism. Um, I suppose I can start by talking about uh, the kind of things that are kind of top the news in terms of women. So uh, probably the weirdest thing has been our kind of press's kind of obsession with kind of Lady Macbethizing certain kind of female figures. So I suppose uh, that would be uh, Nicholas Surgeon in Scotland. So we've had an inquiry going on into how much Nicholas Surgeon knew about Alex Salmond uh, and his behaviour towards women. And, you know, it's, to be honest, not a huge amount. It seems to me that she acted a you know, pretty, pretty appropriately. But the UK press being very right wing and very anti-Scottish independence has been attacking her as much as possible you know, very, very conservative press. It wants shot of the SNP. So attacking Nicola Surgeon, trying to get her to stand down as First Minister is kind of at, at the top of, of their agenda. So you have Scottish Tories attacking her constantly. Um, every time I go on TV and radio, uh, I speak to a lot of kind of male presenters who have this kind of pathological obsession with Nicola Surgeon. She's you know, I've met her in person quite a lot. She seems very down to earth, very, very likeable. Um, I liked her a lot more than I liked Alex Salmond. I mean, Alex Salmond was very brusque, very, very dismissive, didn't seem to have very much kind of interest in other people, whereas she seemed very popular. Like every voter I've spoken to seemed to think that she has a kind of genuine interest in what they're into as a voter you know so when she knocks on doors she says what are your kind of policy interests what you know tell me about tell me about your family what would make you vote for a party and I'll tell you how how it relates to my party whereas Alex Salmond would knock on a door look around see where a camera was etc and so it feels as if the press is kind of very very interested in trying to get rid of Nicola Sturgeon and by extension trying to get rid of um you know any any kind of hope that Scottish nationalism will die. So uh, I got a just just before I, I I came on, I got a push notification that for the first time in my memory, actual support for Scottish uh, independence has actually gone down. So you know, parts of the press have been completely obsessed with with this inquiry, and it's all about trying to pin it on Nicola Sturgeon rather than anything else. So obviously, parts of the SNP uh, aren't a big fan of her and. All, all the parts I've seen have been very male, 
but it's very, very much a right-wing obsession of trying to get rid of Scottish nationalism, trying to stop Scotland leaving the UK, and trying to do it by you know, constantly looking at their pathological hatred of Nicola Surgeon, trying to pretend it's not because she's a woman, trying to, trying to pretend that it's not because she's a very popular woman, and trying to pretend that it's not because she's a feminist and they just hate women. And then you have Meghan Markle, and, you know, over and over again, the British press is trying to ignore the fact that they aren't trying to, you know, that, that essentially in 1997, they, they didn't, they, they definitely didn't trace, you know, chase uh, Princess Diana into a tunnel, cause her car to crash, and then take photos of her dying. And that, you know, maybe Prince Harry has a hatred of the British press because they are very, very weird and creepy about the royal family. And I really, really, don't like the fact that the that the British press are making me feel sympathy for a member of the royal family. It's like I'm a socialist. I don't like the royal family. I really don't like how much money they they cost taxpayers. I would absolutely love that money to go into the NHS. And instead, you have kind of you know Piers Morgan, like absolutely obsessed with this woman who has married uh, a member of the royal family and then moved to America. And the front pages of the writing press every day say, you know, why is she so obsessed with, uh, with, 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 with the British press? Have a look from pages three to 28. And they're absolutely obsessed with this, uh, with, 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 with this interview that is, as far as I'm aware, going out in America tonight and going out in uh, the ITV tomorrow in Britain. So yet again, you know, People aren't, you know, the, the press aren't really focusing on Harry in this scenario. It's all about, uh, it's it's all about this idea that this evil woman who, uh, who, 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 who apparently because she's mixed race, nobody has noticed she's black, just happens to be mixed race, um, is, uh, is, is, is corrupting the royal family, uh, 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 possibly threatening the life of a member of the royal family and the press uh, are completely ignoring their role in it and you know it's completely ludicrous and they're almost certainly going to implode tonight so look for the front pages on that. Oh, it's going to be um, a fun newspaper experience yeah. in the morning all while Prince Andrew is uh, getting away with being an alleged uh, serial sex offender so yeah. um, we might just have to move on there Dan apologies from the, the monetized racism <laughs> of the British newspapers and monetized misogyny that is, or is there it's well, we'll come back to that in the Q&A anyway, because there's definitely a lot around that. So for sure. So thank you so much. Um, and then last, but by absolutely no means least, is um, you, I was, I was going to say a Fine Gael counsellor, but then I was like, no, 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 hang on. <laughs> Don't cause offence by saying Fine Gael. Uh, Fianna Foil counsellor, um, you're a you're an emo. I'm totally, look, I'm being a total white feminist there and butchering your name. So apologies for being a complete asshole. <laughs> Not at all. Um, thanks a lot, Caroline. And um, hello, everyone. Um, it's been fascinating listening to, to everyone speak. And I suppose uh, being last has this advantage uh, because I can absolutely steal from what everybody has said. Um, it has been very emotional listening to, to everyone um, and um, particularly I was uh, trying very much to hold down the tears as uh, as Joy was, uh, was speaking and 
she absolutely articulated the challenges that uh, African women face um, on a daily basis. Um, so um, I won't go down that road. She said absolutely everything. So um, I'm going to take a, a, a different perspective um, to, to this. I believe that there are opportunities. Change is possible, first of all. And um, we have to, we owe it to ourselves, we owe it to, to women, we owe it to our children. If we want to see a better future, we have to take advantage of every opportunity. So when I got uh, Tony's message at half 11, <laughs> that the podcast was coming on at 12, I said, okay, just uh, try to, to join in. So uh, thanks a lot for the uh, invitation. Um, this morning as well, I came across a report from uh, an Australian an Australian report on the impact of COVID crisis on Australian women. And what they've said is Australian women copped a triple whammy. They lost more jobs than men, almost 8% at the peak of the crisis compared to 4% for men. They showed that more of the increase in unpaid work, including supervising children, learning remotely, taking on an extra hour each day, more than men, on top of their existing heavier load. And they were less likely to get government support. JobKeeper excluded short-term casuals who in their hardest hit industries are mostly women. So we can see there's a, there's a recurrent trend around the globe that women's issues are not being brought to the fore. And in this same report, it says that the construction sector in Australia lost 5% of its work hours, but got more than $35 billion of government assistance. Hospitality sector lost more than 47% of its work hours, but got just $1.3 of government assistance. And we know hospitality has more women than men. So we can see these, these, these trends. And for me, the bottom line is, you know, we need to have representation where it matters if we want to see real change. And where representation matters is, is politics. And you can see from what Dawn has said, how the, the challenges uh, Nicola Sturgeon is getting because she's a woman. If she was a man, <laughs> there'd be there's there's no question she won't be getting any of these uh, this hassle she's getting. And I suppose, you know, she knows what she needs to do to bring Scotland where it needs to be. And who is, you know, against her, who is behind all of this, even the media that's attacking Negomako, if you look at them, majority are male. I think the the Life as it is, you know, how many times have we heard it's a man's world? Men have designed the world to suit them. You know, how many issues do we hear getting addressed? And straight away, if there's any issue that affects men, it gets, it gets addressed like that because they have the power. When it comes to women, we have, like, in the last year, there has been reports and research on, you know, the, the performance of women in the elections. Why is this? The amount of research I did after I ran in the elections in 2019, I'm thinking, come on now. There's so many groups asking the same questions, publishing reports, sending hard copies of glossy documents 
what is the outcome? What are we going to do beyond this? You know, we are, I think we need, as women, we need to focus on the power that we have, which is our ballot. We are majority in the country. More than 50% of the population are women. Yet, more men are occupying office because women are voting these men in. So we need to channel our energies where it matters, where it's going to make a real difference. If every woman of voting age decides that whatever ballot they get, I don't care about party politics. I care about, you know, um, equity. If every woman that's voting decides from the first woman on their ballot to the last woman gets a preference, a preference vote before they consider men, imagine how quickly things are going to change. So these are the kind of thoughts. We need to unlearn these ideals. We need to move away from traditional you know, voting system. If we want to see real change, women, we are the ones that can make these changes. And until there's a shift in representation, we're going to keep talking about this International Women's Day after International Women's Day. Never, Look at forget. the... See, I actually, like, I don't mean to be rude or anything like that, but I, I, I'd love to say this. I think I would vote for the likes of Thomas Pringle before I would vote for a Fianna Gael woman that doesn't believe in women equality, you know. And when I see a Fianna Gael woman and the likes of Tonight Show speaking about how it's so simple for women to get into politics and how women can do it as well, and having that mindset that, that you know, women are actually okay to compete with men and not thinking about our lives at home. And, you know, so I I, I I think it's about obviously voting for women. Yeah. But I also think we need to be very, um, very like, you know, if we look even at the time of the repealing of the Eighth Amendment, there were some women in the Iraq that didn't re, uh, didn't uh, support repeal, repeal the Eighth Amendment. So I'd better vote for a man politician that would support women's rights and vote for a woman a politician who I know won't support women's rights or, or, or don't look at, or don't think outside the box. So I think, like, I, I think there's a fine balance there, actually, if I'm honest, around the... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there is a balance. There is, definitely is a balance. I'm speaking in general terms. Obviously, you know, you have to look at the candidates and you have to look at their pedigree. You have to look at their principles, their values. But what I'm saying is if women you know, critically analyze these women more. And I bet you political parties are all about numbers, are all about majority. If they see the trend towards women, they will make the active effort to bring forward women that appeal to the, to the population, that will get the votes. Look at how um, young people changed the political scene in Ireland in the last election. You know, we have a three-party coalition because of the way young people vote and what our party is doing. They're tar- actively targeting young people now. So definitely, you know, there are, um, there are changes that can be achieved. And absolutely, you're absolutely right. And I think as well, um, if I would sort of try to give um, an explanation, I, I could be totally far off. But I think there, there are women that have had to adopt male values, male male policies, male style of thinking to feel comfortable around their male counterparts. 
And I think that is a, a, that is an unfortunate uh, situation because when I um, attended the uh, conference of of uh, of local um, of councillors, the the local uh, I think that was just when I got uh, co-opted into the Longford County Council, and we were talking about uh, women's caucus and increasing because a lot of female politicians, when they get in, they struggle. You know, because the, the the scene is not a uh, female friendly. If you look at the times that the that parliament sits, even when um, local authorities have council meetings, we're talking three o'clock when it's you know uh, uh, school time to collect kids. And a number of times I've had to frantically ring uh, friends to to collect the kids and ask for meetings to be pushed back thirty minutes so that I can do the school run before I go into it. You know, those are the kind of challenges. And what we found was. Um, two longer standing uh, female politicians uh, that they've given so many years and they they are kind of used to it now. Their kids are grown and they said, oh, they don't care about quotas. They think it's it's, uh, unnecessary, you know, because in their own right, they were able to get in there. They were able to work and make a difference. But they weren't considering that, you know, other people, don't have the same struggle and other people can't get that. So I think we just need to be more aware of where the changes can be made and politically. Absolutely, there are men that are allies and I would encourage everybody to support those male allies that champion women's issue um, regularly. But I think we need to consider you know, giving preference votes to more women. And again, as many as there are women that you know don't support female issues, they are many more that do. And I just want to mention um, the media as well. I think the media have, uh, they need to be more responsible the way they target uh, minority groups. If there's an issue of discrimination, you see them frantically checking, oh, what minority do we have access to? And they ring you for a comment and this and that. And But then when they're talking about uh, professional issues or corporate issues, radio silence. You know, that is another thing. You have to see it to be it. I think uh, Joella uh, mentioned that as well. You have to see it to be it. The more um, minority groups are targeted for their expertise as opposed to, you know, for their identity, the more people will, you know, adjust and adapt to the situation. We can't be in the news only when there are uh, cultural issues that we need to address. That is feeding into the far-right uh, rhetoric as well. And um, I have to mention charities as well. How many times do we see um, Troca and Red Cross and whatever putting pictures of a child with cataracts or um, somebody fetching dirty water in, in Africa thing? And then the, the back the, the backlash of that is, you know, people from African background are, are looked upon like, um, oh, you're here because of our benevolence. So you should be grateful for anything you get. That is another thing. If these charities have existed for um, decades and they feel that they are doing a good job, they should advertise based on their successes, not on the issues that persist. You know, show us buildings that you've you've built. Show us hospitals that you've uh, that you've uh, put out. Show us, you know, the development that you have brought forward, and use that as a me- as a, as as a means to seek more support. And if people feel that okay, they've given enough to have those developments, then that's fine. 
But I think, you know, we have to look at the, the do the five whys and see why these issues that we are having persist. You know, there isn't a shortage of, of minority um, candidates. So let political parties, you know, seek out those candidates and put them on ballots. If as a nation, if as a collective, we say, this is the way we're going to vote. This is the way we're going to support. And the more we get, the more people we get around the table making these issues. Look at the 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 committee um i forget the name of the committee now my brain's gone dead and um they're all it, it's just men um the cabinet committee that makes it make these decisions on 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 covid and on the on the path to recovery you know there are female um tds there are female ministers why are they not in that top committee to bring the female perspective in there. These are the questions we need to be asking. These are the challenges we need to be put into government while we strategize to make sure that, you know, come the next election, be it local, be it national, be it international, that we want to see a balance of male, female representatives, uh, you know, minority groups, uh, people with special abilities. We need to see more representation. That's when all this talk can start moving into, into action. Thanks a lot. No, fantastic points there and we're going to come to them in, in the Q&A also as well we're just going to wrap up the main section for everyone there we have gone over time but like I don't want to interrupt any of you because you're all talking to such amazing um, sense so absolutely fantastic um, you know again if you want to join us next week for the Q&A section uh, pop along to patreon.com forward slash tortoise and you can come along and, and join in the Q&A part but I think absolutely go follow everyone's social media or like Eileen was saying social media is not the best place sometimes so email and say what can I actually do to make this a better place for absolutely everyone like take that action don't just listen to the podcast and then forget about it um, and go on afterwards so thanks Emil everyone for listening and we're going to go into our Q&A section here now so thanks Emil or, or Amy, did you want to make one point there? Sorry, so you had your hand Yeah, up. just to say to Eileen, I would love to have you come down to Longford. We have um, um, we have a, a a big traveler community in Longford, and I think it'd be great and um, to have you visit and and to have you meet uh, meet a couple of people because I think you're an awesome role model uh, for the traveler community. So if we can get that sorted, I really appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. And just to say that I do agree with a lot of women in politics, and I'd be I'm all for women in, in, in politics and, and motivating women to be in politics, you know. But it was it does be very frustrating sometimes when you're talking about a pure woman's inequality or a trans women's inequality, and you don't it doesn't get the political support by women, you know. So that's where uh, some of the frustration comes from for me personally, and as someone who's in politics, you know, so just to say that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree, and I share those uh, those frustrations. And uh, um, hopefully, we like we need we need a balance. We don't need more women than men. We don't need more men than women because we'll just tip the scale and have another set of issues come up. So definitely, if we can achieve a balance, it'll be brilliant. So men and women in politics, much needed. Thanks. Have um, Ellen has her hand up there. Ellen, do you want to switch on your mic? <laughs> Uh, with me, Joy. <laughs> no, we might move on. Sorry, okay. this is just not. Anybody else while we're waiting there for Ellen want to either put their hand up or ask a question or any of our uh, panelists? <clears throat> Sorry, can I just make a point on the charity thing? 
We need to stop relying on NGOs and charities to do all the work for us. We need the government to provide the services. And, you know, like that, that's one of the biggest things. And I know the the charities that you were talking about are the ones that are helping um, people externally. But for internal stuff, we need government to actually do the job and to provide the supports because the charities are killing themselves. And I'm like struggling at the moment to get people places um, within therapy supports and charities and stuff like that. Um, and and you're, you're having to say to people, can you pay? If you can't pay, look, we're going to have to try and get some money from somewhere to get your private therapy because you're going to be waiting over a year when people are in the height of things. Um and we need to stop relying on NGOs and charities. And it's very telling that um, Joy Tendai and myself, actually, we had a meeting with the Department of Justice and we thought we were meeting to talk policy. And what they'd sent was um, the, the guy with the purse strings to try and make us shut up and go away. Here's some money, go away. So, you know, like we need to stop that. A question from Rona coming in. Now, just a quick point on the same thing on the charity issue. Um, we in Unite produced a report last week called Hungry Bellies Are, N- Are, Are Not Equal to Full Bellies uh, about income inequality in Ireland. And um, we went to um, a number of frontline charities who aren't, if you like, the official NGO people who, who get big salaries for their work and who I think are kind of part of the problem. Um, and it was just very interesting that there's this layer of charity underneath the official charity dealing with an underclass directly who were living on the streets basically or suffering from food poverty um, and uh, you know that level of inequality is you know the reason we wrote the report is because certain narrative has appeared that there is no inequality um, or that everything is, is improving and we're getting wealthier but there's an underlying um, group of people who are nearly invisible now at this stage and and that's why you've got a development of these other charities who are going directly the likes of the Muslim Sisters of Ireland and so on who go directly onto the streets to help and support people. That's the point I want to make. Thank you. No worries. And we have um, Anne-Marie as well, who wants to raise a point. Yeah. Um, just to say as well, I find kind of in relation to the NGOs and things like that, um, like I was asked to speak at a event there about two years ago, and I'd be a very confident public speaker. Um, I'd consider myself like to be an academic if I'm going to talk to an event I know what I'm going to speak about I'd be prepared and I was invited onto a panel um, experts which was a massive thing for me you know um, as a social care graduate and before I went on to speak um, I, I, this woman that I had never met before in my life I never had any interactions with her but she runs a, a prominent NGO for Traveller organisation and she came up to me before I went down to speak and she literally told me everything that I was to say. Yeah. She completely disempowered me. Uh, she didn't. She only saw Traveller, she only saw a vulnerable Traveller woman. She mm. did not see that I was a mature student. She didn't see that I was a working class woman. She didn't see that I was a, 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 an, a, an, ac- an academic, a high achieving student. She saw none of that. And she wanted me to um, dictate a dialogue or a narrative that was not true to my experience as a traveller. So it didn't, like, she completely uh, tried to um, whitewash my uh, whole experience, 75% of me as a, as a woman, as a person. She did not see me. Um, I couldn't say what she wanted me to say because I, it wasn't my real life experience. It was feeding into a stereotype. 
and um, I wasn't like I, I wasn't speaking at that event as a traveller woman. I was speaking at that event as a mature student. And I then when I didn't say what she wanted me to say, she now uses me as an example for other traveller students coming up along the way and what not to do at a public event so like it can be very disempowering I, I never met this woman in my life you know um, I'd never spoke to her she knew absolutely nothing about me um, and then when I did speak I, it turned out that there were three other travellers sitting in the audience and I got very emotional because when I spoke they actually stood up to clap for me because what I was saying resonated with them and there was this white middle class woman with power over my people with power over um, the charities and the government that dictates and creates social policy. And she was trying to reinforce a stereotype and a story. She could not see us as successful, independent individuals. She could only see us as vulnerable travellers. And I'm not saying she did it out of malice because I understand that she needs to secure her own funding. But I'm not a token for anyone. I am not a victim for anyone. And I've never been afraid to stand on my own. And to be honest with you, Eileen knows me. Like I, I don't like to do a social media. I don't like to do public media, mainstream media, and things like that. But you back me into a corner, and I'm going to come for your juggler. And that is the way it works. Like, but we shouldn't have to feel that way. And as Joy was saying earlier on, like it is like racism. It's it's wearing. It's absolutely. It's exhausting. But it's bad when you're getting it from the people that you know who's going to deliver it. But when it's coming from the people that are there to support you and they're earning a wage and a living and a title from, from supporting you. And, and that's the danger, that people are not aware of their privilege. Yeah, and I know Anne-Marie, and me and Anne-Marie had this conversation before, but I, I, I know the woman very well. And, you know, to be honest, um, sometimes, you know, especially people from uh, the white upper class uh, uh, communities in, in, in Ireland, you know, want to fix the poor travellers and fix the poor blacks and the poor refugees and stuff, you know, God help us, we all need to be fixed and um, brought civilised uh, people in society. When I was going, just like Amory would have empowered me to to, to go as a sen to go for this seat because she said you have that in your own right. You're allowed to go for your own right, Eileen. You're not just a traveller. You're a person within the traveller community. And I think as well, like, you know, black women are so much more than just black women. Refugee women are so much more than just refugee women. And it's the same for traveller women, you know. And, and sometimes I've done it over the years around the tokenism stuff, but that's when traveller women wasn't around the table, you know, and use it to, to your advantage where you are going to be a good little girl and get up and speak about the poor travellers. And then you just challenge the NGOs or you challenge the, the, the charities to include uh, travellers and stuff. But I think what Anne-Marie is, is, is saying is a very valid point. You know, we are actually expected to be the poor travellers, the poor working class, the poor black people, the poor uh, refugee people. And, you know, we all have our own skills with, within ourselves and within our own rights as well. And I think it's a very important uh, point, Anne-Marie. So just to... Yeah, yeah, just really, it was something that everybody here today needed to hear, you know, around that, because we can be the victim for the rest of our lives, you know? Beware the white saviors. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, could totally, I could totally relate to that, too, because um, even right now, thinking about it, I'm, I'm scared, like, if I was to go for a job, I'm scared that, oh, 
we should choose Joella because she will she will feel the diversity quote uh, like oh we're so diverse we got a black woman and it's a thing was just like it's not at the ground level you need you need diversity in every level of your company or everywhere we go and everywhere we are to be honest and for sure like sometimes I do think about the things I did as like oh did they just choose me because I'm black just to fulfill their self-conscious to fulfill their white superiority complex so to say going back to um charity works I feel like sometimes NGOs kind of help the government suppress people as in they're filling the gap so the government can be continue doing what they need to do which is very detrimental and it's something that we need to look at a lot because one of the um when I first came to Ireland and I saw um everything like oh my god look at the the poor black girl going to go get water she has to walk 12 miles every day and everyone in school generally everyone in school was like oh my god did you have to go walk to go fetch water I was like no I have a tap in my house I can speak English I'm well articulated I went to school we have everything that you have here and it's 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 terrible that like NGOs like to feed into this narrative to the single story of what Africa is and what it should be and oh, as me as a white person I'm coming to save you you need saving I'm giving you this be grateful and you can internalize that sometimes I find myself sometimes I'm like oh my god that was so great instead of saying me oh I actually deserve that because I did the work not because I'm black and stuff like that it's just like I have the qualifications I have the skill set I I'm what I am. I am a human being at the end of the day. There's more to me than being black. There's more to everyone than being just a woman. There's, we are human beings. We are someone, not just what you want us to be, you know? I went for a job just really fast. I went for a job a few years ago in a youth centre in Donegal. And basically I was told that because my CV was done up and stuff. And he goes to me, oh, would you not work in a traveller organisation? And you know, I was very disheartened by that because sometimes we're actually expected to work within our own communities as well, yeah. which is like, you know, I've only been a year in this job and I'm absolutely, I'm fucked. I'm I'm burnt out. I'm so exhausted at, at, at present, you know, and there's so much required, like, and people don't see that. Pe- people actually don't see that we're not just meant to be working with our own, mm-hmm. but we're like, you know, we're not just just uh, black women we're not just traveler women we're not just any one thing you know and and I will say I won't be a hypocrite I I, I worked with an NGO because I need to survive as well you know and if that's the only place that I can get a job as a traveler NGO like many many travelers there's 86 percent of us unemployed and the other little percent of us that are employed are actually employed by 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 NGOs and we have these big saviors who are uh, who are um are uh, coordinators and they're 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 and they're uh, usually quite upper class people you know and sometimes you just have to do what you need to do to get by so in one sense while you know, and I've been in that situation myself. So, yeah. i just go to Bear super quick for the last comment. Bear, if you make it short and sweet, because we're... Of course, yeah. Um, over. 
I was going to um, make the, the point really that Amory and, and Eileen are making there is that, you know, I think the idea of tokenism is, is always going to be there until we have more panels like this all the time. And I would rather listen to all of ye any day than any man. <laughs> uh, hashtag not all men, obviously, but give me panels like this all day, every day, talking about everything. You know, not just talking about, and that's been one of the amazing things about getting to work so much close, so much closer with Eileen the last few months is, you know, she, I could listen to her and chat to her all day about everything. And she's, she's great crack and she's brilliant. And I've no doubt it's the same with everyone. So more women everywhere. And I don't think any of us are going to argue with that. So um, listen, thanks, Mill. We sure we could go on for ages. Um, we're already half an hour over. But look, it's, you know, the, the more the merrier of this kind of thing. And we're really appreciative of everyone who's taken the time to come on and, and chat. And, and, you know, and the comment section has been absolutely flying as well. So thanks, Mill, to everybody. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday for the next Sunday special. So thanks. We'll let, we might let Tony back. We'll think about it. Think about it. We'll have Martin. We love Martin. Yeah. <laughs>